it's important as we're going to the next level that we understand who the Lord is. A major reason people don't receive from the Lord is because they really have a wrong view of who He is. I say He's great and His mercy endures forever and to them that's a foreign concept. I say He's not stingy and He's very generous and loving and kind and oh, there's a disconnect. You got to know Him and you cannot know Him by your feelings. You can only know Him through what the Word says about Him. Welcome to the City Light Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today as we look into God's Word and discover the hope and truth that He has for us. If you want to connect with City Light Church, feel free to visit us at citylightnyc.com. That's citylightnyc.com. Pastor Boyan Jancic and his team believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is already working in our hearts and minds. As you listen to today's teaching, remember that you are deeply loved by God, that you are surrounded by His grace, and that He has a real hope and a future for you. If you're a guest, I want to welcome you to City Light Church. I think I forgot to do that. And if you're joining us online, I want to especially welcome you. Look around, and you'll see that we're way over 80% capacity. We're right now at around 90% capacity, and it's, it's Labor Day weekend. Okay. I remember for 20 years, Labor Day weekend was a ghost town. It was no man's land. And August is typically the least attended month in the calendar year. Yet at August, we were this full. And now Labor Day weekend, and we're this full. We're way past 80% capacity. 80%, by the way, is the capacity of a church. Preachers love to see shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder people. They love to see 100% capacity. They don't see that. They'll see it at a special conference or special guest speaker night. The reason they don't see that is because everybody loves to be shoulder-to-shoulder, -shoulder, except the people who have to be shoulder-to-shoulder. -shoulder. People like to fluff and spread. And so 80% is the capacity. That means that we have officially outgrown this service. It's been over six weeks like this. Why am I saying all this? Because I began August and I was sharing the Lord is up to something. I sense His goodness and He wants to do it first in you. There is... <laughs> there is an anointing He wants to get to you which will transform you and take you up to the next level that you've been itching and craving for. That's his way to take you from glory to glory, to take you from strength to strength. He is very, very good. He is very, very merciful. And best of all, he is very, very generous. I'm so glad that when I see his character, his nature in the scriptures, he's not cheap. He's not a tightwad. He's not stingy. He's a font of generosity. And so all I'm saying is get your expector out there. I've talked to some, several other pastors and they're sensing the same thing. And to me, there seems to be this pattern that any church who, in New York City who survived the lockdowns, but not just survived the lockdowns, but then woke up and stood for truth and didn't exchange the truth of God for a lie, but stood for truth, the Lord is now blessing and He's increasing. 
And maybe some pastors needed to go through the test. Will I fear man? Will I fear what people think? Or can I demonstrate that really I'll get my orders from headquarters and when they do that, then the blessing comes. But right now we're on the edge. And that includes you. I'm saying this partly as an exhortation and partly as an appeal. It includes you, so strap in. Plug into your church. Don't just come to church. Be the church. And lean into what the Lord is doing. Because he's not just throwing a party for a select few. He wants all of us to go together. All of us. As he thrusts us onward. So we're in the middle of this series called The Anointed One and His Anointing. Which, if you've been joining us online for the last six weeks or coming in person, you've really and quickly realized that it's just a title with various subjects that I'm addressing. <laughs> what a great title because we're always going to touch on the anointed one and his anointing, so it's a title that fits. Amen. <laughs> I wonder, Pastor James, do you cringe when I say that or are you just. No, I'm just wondering. Okay. Because Pastor James has great. You got to hear his titles. I'll ask him, well, give me. A, and he just. He's the most eloquent guy I know, and he just, he's a total wordsmith. And I'm like, title, okay, here's one, put it in six parts. <laughs> but it gives me the freedom to talk about whatever the Lord wants to talk about. And it's important as we're going to the next level that we understand who the Lord is. A major reason people don't receive from the Lord is because they really have a wrong view of who He is. I say He's great and His mercy endures forever, and to them that's a foreign concept. I say he's not stingy and he's very generous and loving and kind. And then, oh, there's a disconnect. You got to know him. And you cannot know him by your feelings. You can only know him through what the word says about him. And when you know him, then you know who you're dealing with. You know what you can expect. You can receive from him if you know his nature and his character. And I want to address, because it's Communion Sunday... I want to address a common misconception, a passage in the scriptures that really confuses people and shows an unscriptural view of the nature and character of God. Amen? So let's go into communion, into the teaching on communion, where the Apostle Paul begins in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. He begins his teaching on communion... By saying this, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. He's talking about the teaching on communion. I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. Note that. His first opening sentence. This is significant. It means that the Lord himself gave the Apostle Paul this revelation. Even though he had shared it with the disciples physically. Even though... It's all throughout the Gospels, the power of communion. This is so close to our Savior's heart. This topic, this subject of communion is so close to Jesus' heart that Jesus in his resurrected state gave it to the Apostle Paul by revelation, a divine download on communion. Right there, that should give us pause. In other words, communion is really important to Jesus. So it's not some empty religious ritual we get into. It's not something that we just slap on on the end of service because, you know, they always did it this way and we gotta. But there is power in communion. Communion is God's supernatural delivery system. And it was meant to be an exchange. 
and an impartation during communion. But of course, if there's ever power attached to something, the devil will go after it. In fact, I've heard it said this way, and I believe it with all my heart. The more controversial a subject matter is in the scriptures, the more power is associated with it. That's why the enemy brings in so much confusion and controversy. And I cannot think of a subject with more controversy surrounding it than the subject of communion. Speaking in tongues, sure. Laying on of hands, sure. But communion, for centuries, they were killing each other, literally, not metaphorically. Different groups throughout Europe in different centuries killing each other over doctrinal disputes about communion, which is, you know, I mean, I've had doctrinal disputes with people, but, oh, wow, you know, never, never thought. Well, okay, that was that one time I did. It did cross my mind. But for the most part, never thought murder. Well, that's how important communion is. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, the Lord Jesus, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Communion is a time to remember. Now this is really important to get. The Hebrew way of remembering something is different than our modern way of remembering something. If my wife and I, we want to reminisce and remember our wedding day. What we might do is open up our phone, go into our favorite album, and look at some photos of our wedding, right? We might even go old school and bust out the physical photo album that we had done and go, oh, remember this? Oh, remember that guy who ate all the cake? Where's he now? Whatever happened to him? And we're remembering our wedding day. Do you know how the Hebrews would remember their wedding day? They would go and dress up and reenact their wedding. That's how you actually remember something. In fact, the proof of that is in how they remember the Passover. The entire meal and the whole flow of the dinner is a reenactment of the Exodus out of Egypt. So to remember Jesus is to reenact and really ponder and connect with what happened at the cross and how does it benefit me today? You're remembering Jesus and you're partaking, you are joining, you are uniting, you are becoming one with his death, burial, and resurrection. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, verse 25, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Then it gets dark. And this is where a lot of people get tripped up. It becomes more cautionary. And something that was intended to bring life in the church, the enemy used to bring death. And something that was intended to be God's supernatural delivery system of his power ended up being an event with a fence around it for only the select few. The enemy came in and put a fence around communion because there's such power connected to it. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. What? In an unworthy manner. 
9.9 out of 10 times, this will be interpreted and taught and preached as though the Apostle Paul said, whoever is unworthy. It doesn't say unworthy. It says in an unworthy manner. People have been made to feel guilty because the number one voice against us is the voice of Hasatan, the accuser of the brethren. And what's the number one message of the accuser of the brethren? Condemnation. So after a little bit of introspection, unless you're eyebrow deep in a sea of pride and blind to your own faults, just a few seconds of introspection, you might in and of yourself start to feel unworthy. But it's not talking about you. It's the manner in which you partake of communion. What were they doing? What was the behavior the Apostle Paul was endeavoring to correct here? Well, they were haphazard about communion. They were actually getting drunk because they didn't use Welch's grape juice. They used the real stuff. And they had forgotten the benefits of communion and it just became this thing that they did. And he said, that's, if you're not expecting to receive something from communion, you're taking it in an unworthy manner. If you ever just eat it and you don't expect to receive something, that's in an unworthy manner. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Let's keep reading. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So examine yourself that you understand what's happening. Can you just keep that verse up, please? Now often, how this has been taught is examine yourself for sin. And if you have sin in your life, Shaka, we heard this a hundred times. Can you just come up here? Just hear me. Just come up here real quick. I'm just, I just want to introduce you. I only see you once every few years. This is my man, Shaka Warren, my roommate from college. And if you have, he's, a, he's, he's as beautiful on the inside as he is on the outside. I'm telling you. You want to say, you want to mess with me. Say something. No, I'm good. <laughs> but if you want to hear college embarrassing stories, this is your go-to guy. This is, we, do you, I won't get into, but do you remember that night when the anointing fell on us both yeah. and we were up all night confessing to each other? We used to, thank you, I see your daughter and your beautiful wife and we would spend hours in the anointing together. And one night, but you know, you never really quite let your guard down. All of us go <clears throat> with our best face forward. And this anointing dropped on us all through. We both started weeping. Now we're like 21 years old and we're dudes. This is not what dudes normally do. <laughs> <clears throat> we start confessing to each other all of our like deepest insecurities and I know it sounds foofy but it was like liberating like the Lord it was like a spirit of honesty dropped <laughs> really it was the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth and we just like let the guard down and we were just talking to each other like, like, like how I believe you talk in heaven in heaven you're not hiding anything you're not trying to present yourself in any way you're just you and it was like for a few hours it lasted and then it lifted and then of course the next day we're like, you good? Okay, I'm good. Let's, <laughs> Let's not talk about this until like 30 years later. <laughs> Where was I in my sermon? Oh, the reason what made me think of you is we went to a church. How many times did we hear if you have sin in your life, don't eat communion? How many times have you heard that? I have a few questions. 
how much is too much? They never clarify that. The preacher will say, if you have sin, examine yourself. If you have sin in your life, look, don't take communion because, well, you might die. God might smite you. He will strike you. So now communion is robbed of being this joyful event where you receive from the Lord and it becomes this very, very uncomfortable Russian roulette kind of game. You know Russian roulette? Got a one in six chance. You're going to... And now you're taking communion and the preacher says, hey, if you have sin in your life, don't partake of communion. Well, what kind of sin? And how much sin? Like, is it only like if I'm like bound in habitual rebellious sin? But what about, I mean, you, the scripture doesn't mention that at all. So let's just say you took an Uber to church and you had an Uber driver and he was playing ethnic music. <laughs> really, really loud. Why are you laughing so hard at that? I'm in Queens, 161 nations, so I got to say because ethnic music is, is, is great unless it's in a language you just can't stand. Amen. Look, there's so many cowbells I want to hear on my way to church. You understand? And you have an unkind thought. Lord, rescue me now. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. In fact, I just said that and you had an unkind thought towards me. Let's take it a step further. I mentioned cowbells and you took it very personally. <laughs> Certain songs just don't need a little more cowbell. But you have an unkind thought. Now you come in, you're carrying that into service. That's an unkind thought. That's sin. And now you're in service and it's communion time. And I say, if you have sin in your life, don't partake of communion. Now you're like, well, does this? Does that count? Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. But who's going to risk it? And so you're robbed. Are you hearing me now? Instead of it being the blessed meal of the Lord, it became the death cookie. Where you may get smitten, you may not. Let's roll the dice. What a bizarre and weird, strange teaching we allowed into the church that totally goes against how the Lord reveals himself to be. Let's keep reading and see what in the world is the Apostle Paul talking about and then you'll realize it could only take a bunch of baptized in pickle juice pharisaical minds to twist it and turn it and make it into what it was later presented to the church. For who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself not discerning the Lord's body. Now listen, because see, there's that word judgment, so immediately the Pharisees get excited. You got to be really careful when you're learning from a minister who gets excited about destruction and death and judgment. There are some. They're like, oh, yeah. Lightning, brimstone. <laughs> the problem is that they weren't discerning the Lord's body. They weren't entering into communion, realizing that it was God's supernatural delivery system. They didn't take time to remember, to ponder the Lord's body, to ponder his blood and what that affords them today. Next verse. 
No, the previous one, please. I'm, I'm seeing one here and then another there. Okay, thank you. Verse 30. As usual, you were right, I was wrong. <laughs> For this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. See that verse? That was made to become, if you have any sin in your life and you take communion, you're not properly discerning the Lord's body. That's why you're sick, you're weak, and many of you are dying prematurely. How many of you have heard this? Shaka, we were raised on this, right? Yet, I've known some horrible sinners that came with me to church. God never did the courtesy of taking them out. I always wondered about that. I always wondered. There were several people in the back. I was like, Lord, if you're ever going to do it, a 1 Corinthians 11, do it on that. And he never did. Here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. The natural way of the world, what happens out there, the natural cycle of life is, guess what? People get sick, people get weak, and people die prematurely. That happens. Communion is supposed to interrupt that. Communion is supposed to negate that. Communion is supposed to protect from that. There is falling asleep, dying prematurely, getting weak, getting sick out there. But to the body of Christ in here, they should be shielded from that. But because they're not properly discerning the Lord's body, because they're not engaging the Lord with faith during communion, well then that's why they're just going the way of the world. They're going through the natural cycle of life. There's nothing supernatural about their life. Just like a heathen, they're getting weak, they get sick often, and some prematurely die. And the Lord is saying, that's not my way. How many of you know the Lord wants you to live a full, fruitful life? All right. Ah, my Bible says, with long life, he will satisfy me and show me his salvation. Length of days he will give to you. And length of days doesn't mean you exist an extra 20 years. No, you live thriving, vivacious, walking in divine health. Amen. And now let's keep reading. Isn't it amazing? Same scripture and you are getting a front row seat to how it can be presented two entirely different ways. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Okay, let's keep reading. But when we are judged, see people, the, the Pharisees, this is like the third time he's used the word judge, they're getting excited now. They're frothing at the mouth. We're talking about judgment. Ooh. Yeehaw. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord. Everybody shout chastened. 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 This side shout chase, this side shout end. Chasen. 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 What does chastened mean? Because to understand this entire context, you have to know what chastened means. The judgment of the Lord under the old covenant, it was really always one thing. Do you know what it was? Death. There were no like layers of judgment, steps. It was, when you're judged, you're done. Sodom and Gomorrah judge, brimstone, lightning, fire from heaven, gone. A person, death. That is not the new covenant way. By the way, 
Do you remember that time Jesus was ministering with the disciples and he wasn't well received and the disciples were like, hey, Jesus, we've read the Torah. You want us to call down fire on this town like they did in the olden days? They got excited. <laughs> Judgment. Remember Jesus' response? You know not what spirit you are of. You're of a different spirit. You're thinking old covenant. That's a different dispensation. That's a different spirit. I'm bringing in with my blood the new covenant in which judgment or chastisement is restorative in nature. Know this, when God chastises you, a Christian, it's not punitive. Punitive means you just get punished. If you die, what lesson can you learn from that? You're dead. But when the judgment is restorative in nature, then what you got was chastised. Chastised, you look at the word, it's paideo. It's where we get the word pediatrician from. Paideo means child. To chastise means to child train. Please rewire your mind if when I say chastise, you have an image of God Almighty with a giant hundred yard lightning bolt ready to throw it at you. Instead, have the image of a loving father who will tap your little booty sore, but not so sore that you can't walk a few minutes later. That's the chastisement of the Lord. But when we are judged, we are chastised by the Lord that we may not be. See, it's always restorative in nature. We're chastised that we may not be condemned with the world. That we wouldn't go the same way of the world. So, Examine yourself. Examine what am I missing in my life? You know what happens when you examine yourself? You don't need long. The first thing you should realize is I'm nothing without Jesus. You glance at your sins. You stare at your Savior. Examine your need. Communion is a time to see what do I need. And do you know that every need you have in your life has been answered by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus? Every single one. Five areas that your life touches. Any single problem you have, they fall under these five areas. Spiritual, soulish, physical. Spiritual, soulical, physical. And then social and financial. Five areas. Jesus suffered in each of those five areas. That you could have the victory in each of those five areas. Physically whipped so we can have divine health spiritually became sin so we could have the righteousness of God. In his soul, he sweat blood. That's how much anxiety and stress he endured so we could have peace of mind. What about socially? At the cross, they all forsook him so that you could even be blessed with true friends, true people, community. What about financially? Do you know the Bible says he was made poor that you might be made rich. When was he made poor? At the cross during that whole process. He was stripped bare. So, well, he wasn't that rich to begin with. Yeah, that's why the Roman soldiers gambled over his clothes because they were just five cents, right? No, but he was stripped so that you could have the victory in that area. And during communion, you do examine yourself and you realize this is holy. This is special. You can start bringing out the communion elements. Worship team, come on up. This is holy. This is special. And I believe change and transformation come upon my life. Now, I want to say this. I have maybe two times in my life, you can put them right here on this towel if you would. I have maybe two times in my life 
felt anything during communion other than that I was eating unleavened bread and drinking grape juice. Did you catch that? We're receiving by faith. Very rarely have I actually felt anything. But who cares whether I feel anything or not. But here's my point though. It's interesting that most of the time I don't. I heard one preacher, he was going, oh, do you feel God's presence? We took it. And I was like, honestly, no. I felt it more like when we weren't taking communion, I was singing to Jesus. <laughs> Can we be honest about these things? But I've always noticed if we take time as a family to take communion daily, which by the way, you can receive communion by yourself with a group of friends. You can do it every day as often as you remember him. Take it every day. It's God's medicine. Can you see the trick of Satan? It's the original Happy Meal. And yet it became a time when there's communion. I've seen the life sucked out of churches and it becomes like a funeral, depression central. Because everybody's wondering, will today be the day where the ushers hustle and carry out a few bodies? <laughs> Holy cow. I got a literal LOL from my wife and this is her second service. It's going to be a good Sunday afternoon. I can tell. <laughs> Hallelujah. Kids are gone. Guests are coming over. Oh, she's making... No, I didn't mean that. I just meant guests are coming over. She's... See, you made it awkward, babe. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can the church think of Jesus right now? Everybody close your eyes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Take a moment and examine yourself. What do you need from the Lord? Expect to receive. He will meet your every need. Take a look at the matzah that you're holding in your hand. This is the same unleavened bread, the same matzah. They haven't changed the recipe or the way they prepare it. That the Jews would have eaten leaving Egypt. That Jesus would have broken with his disciples. This is it. I didn't want those American Western cookies that they serve as communion. I wanted real matzah. Because the gospel is hidden within the matzah. You look at your piece of matzah, you'll see three characteristics. It's burnt, it's striped, and it's pierced. Do you know Jesus literally became the burnt offering? The fire of God's wrath burnt on him, so it wouldn't on you. So look at those burn marks and realize he was burned instead of you. Look at those holes. Do you see the little piercings in the matzah? He was pierced instead of me and you. And he was striped and beaten with that cat of nine tails 39 times for our healing so that it wouldn't have to be me and you. And you take a, the take a look at the cup of his blood, and realize this was shed for the forgiveness of all sin. And you raise your faith and take a moment and ask the Lord, be as specific as you can, what you want him to do for you. Specificity is important. The woman with the issue of blood was very specific. It wasn't a general, well, I hope I get better. It was if I touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. Are you ready? 
In the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for what you did on the cross for us. We thank you that there is power associated with communion and that it is us reaffirming the covenant of your blood with you. It's a new covenant. It's a covenant of grace. It's a covenant that doesn't depend on our behavior, but depends on you and your unwavering and unchanging nature. In that we take confidence that you hold up our end of the covenant in our place, on our behalf, and we drink and eat the victory of Jesus right now. Go ahead and partake of the risen Lord. This is the City Light Church Podcast. If you've missed any part of today's message, or if you would like to find out more about Pastor Boyan Jancic and City Light Church, visit us at citylightnyc.com. That's citylightnyc.com. Feel free to visit us online or in person anytime. We would love to connect with you. We pray that you have been encouraged today, that you have been reminded how much God loves you, and that you are surrounded by grace. Thank you for listening. Make sure that you subscribe to City Light Church Podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts worldwide.